Welcome to the Outpost Church Podcast. This is a message from our recent Sunday gathering, and we hope it builds you up in your faith and encourages you. Enjoy. You guys can grab a Bible um, and open up to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. If you brought your own, if you've got electronic one, feel very free to grab that. There's also some in the aisles. Mark chapter 1. So it was winter 2003. And it was about 11 p.m. I was lying on my bed in Woodcroft. And I'm not sure if I had been asleep or just wasn't yet able to get to sleep. But I was definitely awake in this moment. And I literally sat up in bed And I said, Christy. And I just got out of bed. I got in the car. I drove to her house. No, I didn't. I um, said, Christy, that part did happen. And then I prayed about it. And I was like, this just might be the answer to a question I've been asking for quite some time. Christy. And it was interesting the way my brain went because I started listing off all the reasons why it wasn't a bad idea. And then I went to the reasons that it was a good idea. Um, And then I chatted with some other people, and I certainly wasn't as decisive as I pretend to be when I said I went to her house, because it was about three or four months later that I finally took some action, and that was to send her an email. And in the email, I said, check out these websites, super smooth mover. I know, right? Amazing. Check out these websites. Feel free to write that tip down. Um, It's an interesting one. Like so often we look for guidance from God on the big decisions of life. And I believe he gives guidance on the big decisions of life. I believe that God guided me um, to marry Christy. And I am so very grateful for that. Um, Just recently, I shared a bit of this last week, but just recently I've been praying and discerning about what to do for next year for my other job. So I'm half-time here at Outpost and I've been working three days a fortnight at McLaren Flat Primary School and there was an offer there for me to work a couple of days, either two or three days a week for next year. And I was deciding between potentially doing one or two days. Um, or doing relief teaching, or doing something entirely different. And Margot, my mother-in-law, had a word for me uh, in the midst of me discussing this. And her word for me was that she could see these three doors. Two doors were pretty standard-looking doors that you might see in a house anywhere. Um, And then there was another door that was set further back in the middle, um, and it was a bigger door... Uh, It was the kind of door that she had seen in depictions of a verse from Revelation chapter 3, where Jesus says, Here I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Um, That detail was kind of lost on me initially. I was just like thinking about the doors and, okay, bigger door. So I was like, maybe that's relief teaching and that one's taking a teaching contract and then this one is some other 
vocational option. Um, and she suggested that I speak with a certain person who I did, and I sort of followed this path a little bit. Um, but something else dawned on me uh, in that process where I had been focused on my, um, what I would be doing as a second job uh, for next year. But I think what God was actually reminding me of was that I have a primary vocation that isn't as pastor at this church, a primary vocation as a son of God, as a recipient of his grace, as one who is invited to spend time in intimacy with Jesus. And that is my primary calling. That is my primary vocation. That is the big door. Um, and so there's an openness to other things. I have said yes uh, to doing two days a week at McLaren flat for next year. And I think God does care about the details of our jobs, uh, of our spouses, potential spouses uh, and spouses. Um, but he also cares about the ordinary, everyday, mundane stuff. And I'd like us to have Mark chapter 1 open. Um, but we're also going to look at another passage of Scripture. So Mark chapter 1 is pretty action-packed. So by the end of the first chapter, we've got a lot of detail uh, about what Jesus is doing in his ministry. Whereas if you're reading from Matthew or Luke, you're still yet to get to Jesus. But Mark gets straight to the point. And so in verse 15, can I have someone read out Mark chapter 1, verse 15, perhaps even into the microphone. Thank you, Casey. 15, all right. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Thank you, Casey. The time is fulfilled. So Jesus, uh, you can look at what's come just before that. You know, so we've got John the Baptist, whose job is to prepare the way for Jesus. So John um, has taken care of his work. It says in the verse before that John was arrested, after John was arrested. And then you have Jesus beginning to preach the good news. And the good news is that the time is fulfilled that the kingdom of God is, has come near. Repent and believe the good news. No longer is this something that we are waiting for, Jesus was saying. Now is the time. And it can mess with us in our timelines a little bit because this is not after Jesus has come back from the dead. So this is the start of his ministry, and he says, repent and believe the good news. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of heaven has come near. He's not saying it future tense in that moment. He's saying it has come near. Repent and believe the good news. You can keep that open, and we're going to read from the screen. 
We're going to read from Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And the reason we're doing it on the screen is because we're using the message paraphrase. So Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 is a fairly well-known passage for good reason. And here's Eugene Peterson's take on it. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. It's good stuff, isn't it? Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. That is a helpful statement in understanding the gospel. So often we think of the to-do list of things that we need to get done or we need to do, things that we need to improve on in order to be the people that we think we're created to be. But embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. But there's one other sentence that I want to focus on a bit more. It might even come up in bold. There it is. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. The phrasing that we had in Mark chapter 1 was repent and believe. The phrasing we have here is readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. The Sermon on the Mount you'll find in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And there's a few parables that he tells in there. There's a lot of direct teaching. There's a lot of you've heard that it was said, but I tell you. Does anybody know what the final thing Jesus says is in the Sermon on the Mount? It's a parable. And it's a parable of the wise and the foolish builder. The one who builds their house on the rock and the one who builds their house on the sand. What is the difference between the one who builds their house on the rock? What do they do different? So they end up with a firm foundation. Yep. But in terms of it's... Anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who builds his house upon the rock. The storms come, the winds blow, but the house stands. Both the one that builds on the rock and the one that builds on the sand, cop it, they have the storms and they have the floods and the winds, but it is the one who builds on the rock that is able to actually stand and what that looks like in our life is hearing his words and putting it into practice. 
And yes, it is for the big decisions of your life. But it is also for the everyday, what was the phrasing that we just had? Your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, going to school and walking around life. He cares about that. The reality is, is that your father is speaking to you. He wants you to hear what he has to say, but not just so that you accumulate more knowledge, so that you can actually put it into practice. I'm going to show you something that I've found helpful, um, and it's something that will be familiar to some of you, um, and I want to talk through... Um, I'm going to try and do a little bit of uh, Tim P.S. So those that were at camp, we got um, to learn from, from Tim who brought us a cracker word um, and really around this, this whole area of discipling, what it means to disciple others. Uh, and ultimately, we cannot disciple others if we're not disciples ourselves and, and being discipled ourselves. And we're going to have a look at this Kairos circle, which I'm pretty confident is going to end up being a lot more like a Kairos egg uh, on this, but we'll see what we can do. Does anyone know what the word Kairos means? Time. Yeah, it's, it's God's time. So it is any given moment, like when he says the time is fulfilled, the Kairos is fulfilled. So we have divine initiative and human opportunity. The divine initiative is he has set things up so that we can actually meet with him. It's his initiative and it's our opportunity. And so there are all sorts of moments where we encounter God. And I had one just a couple of weeks ago and I asked permission for, from a daughter of mine if I could share this. Um, and when I told her how I was going to share it, she said, that is fine. It is way more embarrassing for you than it is for me. It was the morning after camp. Um, so it'll be two weeks tomorrow. And my first mistake was that I got this particular daughter out of bed uh, and asked her to drive me. Um, it would have been a much better idea if I had have given her more time to adjust to being awake before getting into the car or if I had have been the one that was actually driving. But I needed to get my car from the mechanic, and so uh, I woke her up, and for whatever reason, I got her to get into the driver's seat, and we were both a bit distracted. So I got into the car, um, I had my teaching apparatus, which includes a big straw hat, my bag of juggling balls, there was a lot of juggling balls in that bag, and my regular backpack. And again, for whatever reason, I'm sitting in the front seat with all of my teaching apparatus rather than putting it into the back seat or into the boot. Um, so I'm a bit distracted and, and doing this and you know, trying to shut the door. Um, and Esther, oops, I said her name, um, has got into the driver's side. Um, but as she's backing out, she realizes she hasn't quite shut the door. Um, and so she's sort of fiddling around with the door. Um, and then... We have this moment as we're backing up where there is a crunch. We have good moments and we have bad moments. We respond well to some things and we respond poorly to other things. 
This was a moment as a dad where I responded poorly. I had a daughter who was very tired, um, who had helped out in lots of ways over the camp, including making the video, like editing the video on the night after camp. Um, and I don't know what noise came out of my mouth, but it was some kind of a, not just like a groan, it was like, uh, it was a, ah, uh, and I hit the dash, the dashboard. Um, and then if it wasn't enough to do that once, um, I don't know, it wasn't straight away, like maybe 20 seconds later, I was just like, ah, and I just banged it again. Poor Esther is crying at this point. And she, I don't know what was louder for her. Um, quite possibly it was her father just being exasperated and making it clear that I wasn't happy. Um, anyhow, I got out to inspect the damage and it was more to our car than it was to the car that we'd hit. Um, as it turned out, the car that um, we'd run into was the grandma of a brand new baby. Uh, so our neighbours, Jamie and Bethany, were in the hospital at that moment. The grandma was there looking after their two little girls um, and the poor grandma ended up with um, a knock on the door uh, and a not as angry man at that point, um, but, you know, processing, working through. It has been an interesting journey for me over the last little while processing that. I don't identify as a, an angry person and yet I responded in anger in a situation where my daughter was quite vulnerable uh, and it hurts. Uh, it hurt her and it hurt me um, and in, after that um, I got into the driver's side as I should have initially um, drove us down to the mechanic. She got into the car and fortunately, she was up for it to drive the car uh, back home again. Um, and I went off to school. But it just messed with me that day. It was just on my mind a lot. Um, so the, the Kairos circle is saying that we will go along our lives and all sorts of different events happen. Some of them are our choosing. A lot of them are not. But we have a moment that we become aware of God. And for me, my Kairos moment associated with this wasn't the accident. In the accident, I was not aware of my father. I was aware of my own frustration and my own anger. But in processing coming out of that, I've become aware of a few things. So let me have a go at drawing a circle. Like I said, egg, yeah? So, I'm, um, I do have a version of this that's going to go up on the screen. I'm considering just putting it up there now. <laughs> so, when we have these moments, there is something that I have done quite a bit over the course of my life. And that is you make an observation. And so my observation that I made many times coming out of that particular moment was I reacted really bad. I didn't help the situation. 
my reaction was more traumatic for my daughter than actually um, backing into the other car. So observe, and then reflect. Why did I react like that? There's a few layers to it. So there's the not wanting to drive around a beat up car. There's the fact that we have third party property rather than comprehensive insurance. Uh, and so it's a lot more expensive to fix those things up. My voice needs fixing up sometimes too. Um, there's the fact that it wasn't Esther's first little bingle uh, in the car. Uh, and the fact that I hadn't properly dealt with what had happened earlier and because I hadn't dealt with what had happened earlier, something else happens, uh, plus being tired and, and other factors that, that come along to it. But reflecting on it uh, and then discussing it. Uh, that's why you're all here today. Thank you very much for being here for this discussion of my problems. Um, what I've done so many times is this part of the process. I observe, I reflect, and I discuss. And they are really helpful things. We need to examine our lives. We need to reflect on the things that are happening. It does help us to learn. However, it is only halfway around the circle. And this is the repent side. We repent, observe, reflect, and discuss. But then the next part is that we actually make a plan. What are we going to do about it? Not just what happened, but what does it look like to move forward? And I had the stuff to do with the, the accident, which is to go and knock on the neighbor's door, give my phone number, those sorts of things. Um, I had the stuff that's a little bit deeper around to do with the car more broadly, but then I'm like, there's, there's deeper stuff. There's deeper reasons why I would react like that in the moment. Um, and to actually make a plan to be able to hopefully never be in the situation again, but if I am in that situation again, where I would react different. Um, plan and then account. Have someone to help you with your plan and then to act on it. And this is the believe part. Who can actually read and see what I've drawn on the board? Oh, people on that side having better luck than people on this side. Yep, and the lights. Maybe we'll just put it up on the screen. Thank you, Steve. Everyone's like, ah, should have done that in the first place. Um, not just let it sit in that space of thinking it over, but actually make a plan to do things different. And, and my plan has simply been, it's connected to the... Um, Jesus saying, here I stand at the door and, and knock. Um, 
I had a, a plan going back a few months, uh, which was instead of just running first thing every morning, to start with time with the Lord. And if I haven't had time with the Lord, then I don't go for my run. Like Instead of prioritizing running, prioritize actually spending time with Him. But the shift for me out of this is reflecting and going, the times that I react poorly to things is when I don't actually know who I am. There's a phrase that's been significant for me over the past few years, and that is fathered father. I am, with a bit of help from Christy, about to um, have my sixth child. Um, And so there is the physical fathering, uh, but also fathering in the faith. And it is such an important thing for me not to try and do that, to prove something, but to do it out of the reality that I am fathered by the ultimate father. And so as one who is fathered, it's a very simple plan that I have. And my plan is when I wake up to say, good morning, Jesus, what do you want to do? And throughout the day, hey, Jesus, what do you want to do? For the last year, um, I've had a prayer partner, a friend of mine called Ben, and we call each other each week. Um, And it's been a a beautiful um, accountability. And sometimes the word accountability can be unhelpful, and it becomes legalistic. It becomes something that is daunting, but it's really just someone to help. So who's in this space to help you in this particular area? Yeah, plan, account, and actually do it. Obviously, not just having a plan, but putting it into practice. And the the plan with all of this is that these things become habits that just become a part of our lifestyle. And they can be very simple things, but hopefully effective and helpful things. Um, I'm keen for us to have a bit of time to put this into practice today. Um, so, Steve, you can put up that next slide. You'll notice quite similar to this one, uh, but just with a, a few um, points that you can chat about together. So, I'd like you to try and use this. Who's actually used this before? I know some of you have. Just a couple of uses before. There was another one, Steve, that had the Kairos Learning Circle. No, but I also had another. There's not one up there, is there? Oh. All right. So the questions that were up there just says, discuss with a partner using the Kairos Circle, how is God getting your attention? How is God getting your attention? What is he saying to you and what will you do? No. Sorry, mate. That must have been when I exported it. I must have exported the wrong slide. That is my fault. Never blame the tech guy. Definitely blame me. Um,
So the two most important discipling questions, what is God saying and what are you going to do? What is God saying and what are you going to do? And I invite you to, to use this. So it's got awareness and action instead of saying repent and believe. just adds a different you know, slant on it. But for you, pay attention to what's getting your attention. What do you think God is saying to you? And I did end up going with the other most common time that we um, are looking for God's voice when we do the wrong thing. It doesn't necessarily have to be a time that you've made a mistake. It could be something else where you're like, that's interesting. What's God saying through that? So we're going to take five or ten minutes. We'll just see how it's going with the room uh, to sit with the partner and try and put this into practice. And then the team are going to lead us in another couple of songs. Are there any questions before we do that, though? Great question. So is this based from a scripture or is this based from a memory? I would say go with a memory, but you're very free to use a scripture in order to do it. So for me, it was coming out of that car accident. It can be something dramatic. It can be something very subtle. Where do you think God has got your attention recently? Go for it. 